welcome CFE Research Podcast, a podcast that aims to showcase the practitioner inquiry, scholarship and research being carried out within further education. Well, it's interesting because the open mic approach doesn't seem to belong to anyone. You know, it, it's not, um, doesn't seem to feel like it's intellectual property. It's, it's an open methodology. So the beauty of that is that you can just use it and adapt it uh, for the needs of the people at the time, which good teachers do anyway. Welcome to the FE Research Podcast. My name is Joe Fletcher Saxon and my partner in crime is It's Alistair Smith. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm okay. How is that puppy that you told us about in the last edition of the podcast? I think I could probably just say naughty um might summarize lots of it, really. Yeah. <laughs> Such naughty. is the world of a puppy. <laughs> okay. Well, really excited by uh, the person we've got with us um this evening. Just let me tell you a bit about her. So it is Pip McDonald. She is a senior learning technology project officer at the Royal Agricultural University. But that's kind of not how I know her, actually. So I know her as an experimental performance poet. And she's an author as well. Um, But very much connected to the world of research and in fact, has got um, connections back to Sunderland Uni, of course, where we're both studying. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Pip. Hello. How are you? Hello, Joe. Hello, Alistair. Hi. Oh, thank, thanks for joining well, us. And, um, cool. Thank you. <laughs> right. thank you very much for having me. That's great. Um, okay. I'm going to hand straight over to Alistair for the first bundle of questions. Okay, right. We'll jump straight in with this one then. So Joe said you've been doing some academia. So tell us about your um, role in academia. So my role in academia, I work in the digital innovation team, um, in the learning technology team um, at the Royal Agricultural University based in Sirencester. Um, However, I work remotely. um, So I can literally work anywhere in the world as long as I deliver. So that's a kind of hangover from the pandemic. Um, And I guess it works uh, if you can make it work um, and work quite independently and yet work as part of a team. So um, I mainly work um, in TNE, um, Technology Enhanced Transnational Learning or TETL uh, for short. And um, so we work a lot with China. Um, and that's been kind of what I've been focusing on for the past three years. I think it was a really exciting time, the pandemic for learning technologists, because we were, you know, um, more awareness of what we do um, was kind of brought about by this pandemic. And there wasn't a lot of positive things about the pandemic, but perhaps um, we kind of reclaimed uh, and created a space for ourselves to show what we could do. And we can still do that with hybrid classrooms now that we've gone back to face-to-face in, in part. So, um, yeah, that's my role in academia. I also really like action research, which I'll possibly come on to later um, if we have a question about that later. Um, but a lot of what I do is um, research-informed. I re- I'm really sort of quite passionate about that. And even as, even as a poet, um, I find myself having to, you know, engage with research. So it's like research-informed poetry <laughs> as well as research-informed pedagogy. Um, so that's me. Yeah, and what an opportunity to research all the things going on around you, they say, that since the pandemic and all those changes. But you said the action research. So, okay, tell us a little bit about where that fits in then for you. 
Well, it felt like technology-enhanced transnational learning was quite new uh, for us as an institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was where we were at at that time. So in 2020, we didn't know how to use Zoom like we're doing now, uh, but now we're in a very different place. So it was it was almost like an interesting time to explore what maybe critical Zoom literacy f- looked like. Um you know, I mean, it, maybe it shouldn't be tool specific or a commodity, but it was just an, an interesting idea. Um, I got really excited in the pandemic and I started researching all sorts of things, everything from bionic reading to social annotation and how uh, these tools that we were using could facilitate that. Um, and it became a bit of a, um, a kind of workflow that I established for myself and I'm sharing now with the team as we write our advanced HE fellowships together. Um, so it was, it was about, um, finding a tool or looking at a pedagogical approach and how the the tool and the pedagogical approach could, could marry together and also how it worked in the second language context, um, Mm -hmm. and how things like digital accessibility, what did that feel like if you were a student from China? Um, and for the last three years I've been um passionately at, uh, carrying out action research and sharing it in conferences with lightning talks and research posters um and there's so much out there there's so much more to do so next week um the team are presenting um at an event online uh, hosted by Staffordshire University um and we're going to be looking at TNE and how collaboration and innovation within that TNE area for us um, have played important roles. So that's really exciting. So it's not just me on my own saying, look at action research. It's it's spreading, you know, it's it's uh, and people are getting excited and enthusiastic about it. Um, ask the questions, ask the questions um, and get excited about methodology. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you. Now, I have this, it might seem like a strange question at first. I have a little bit of a running joke that um so many people meet Joe in a hotel bar because it'll be at a conference or something like that. So genuinely, this is how I met you. Well, not quite in the hotel bar, but we talked afterwards um, through one of our research meets. But how did you meet Joe? Uh, well, in a face-to-face capacity, we met We met recently at Digifest in Birmingham, uh, looking at a virtual reality store, um, not a store, um, a kind of promotional area that was very good. Um, and so that was really nice to meet her in person. Um, but previously, uh, we, we met in a virtual capacity um, on a uh, an open mic online event. So the Creative Higher Education uh, team led, uh, created this kind of online open mic event um, with the, the purpose of giving the community an opportunity to present their original work. Um, and Joe performed this superb poem, which I think has been published in the Joy FE magazine, mm-hmm. and rightly so. Um, and we met we met at that event. Um, I think also before then, possibly at the Ideas Room, the Joy FE Ideas Room. And I, I I joined this, and I thought this is great. What a brilliant structure to get people thinking in a really supportive and collaborative way. It really worked, and I ended up writing a blog about it on the. Uh, Royal Agricultural University digital transformation blog about this um, this approach. So I think we met three times. So the first was the ideas room. The second was the open mic, uh, the creative higher education open mic, and then in person at Digifest. So um, 
and we will meet again in Birmingham very soon. We will, was, yeah. I was lurking in the background on the uh, on the open mic performance, cheering Joe along as well. So oh, he was. I really enjoyed yes. that. Yes, yes, yes. It was my one one uh, yeah um, invitee. Um, well, look, that, that that neatly takes me to. I, I want you to tell people a bit about Creative HE because I think by the title, um, FE people might not realise that that they can participate. Because I'm thinking, you know, there's lots of obviously FE researchers, which is what this podcast is about. But there's those that are HE and FE as well. So it'd be good to hear a bit about um, Creative HE. Yeah, I first ex- uh, discovered them. I think it was in the, during the pandemic. They were offering. Um, online sessions um, to it, so people could just be a bit more free and enjoy a bit of creativity. I think it was um, they had a call out. There was a call for contributions for their create uh, their annual, um, and I, I submitted a poem um, about being a learning technologist in the pandemic. A kind of T. S. Eliot, John Clare, melancholy lived experience of a learning technologist during the pandemic. Um, it was called, I'm a learning technologist, get me out of here, a techno-autoethnographic poem. Years ago, I didn't really like this idea of, I didn't really understand the idea of autoethnography or ethnography. And I thought, that's mad, that's totally weird. Who would do that? And then all of a sudden, I thought this is brilliant because in the pandemic, all we had was ourselves and our computers. So it was a really good place to kind of start to think about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, so I submitted a poem to their annual. Um, and some of the, the founders of Creative Higher Education, Norman Jackson and Chrissy Naranzi, um, we started, I suggested the idea of doing an open mic or facilitating an open mic with Tom Burns uh, from London Metropolitan University. And it just started from there. Um, And since then, we've done loads. We've done, we were invited to contribute to the Community Champions for JISC meeting uh, last year. And part of that had a poetic component where we invited people to contribute to a series of poetic prompts and frames. And we created a crowdsourced poem uh, based on everybody's responses. So this kind of idea of collaborative ethnography was possible. And it just felt really exciting. Um, And you're dead right. It's it's not just creative HE, it's creative creative FE. Maybe we need to create a new hashtag uh, for that. But it's 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 they're a very inclusive community and they're so passionate about creativity. You know, creativity is not for everybody. You know, it might not be, feel right for you at this time. But if you, um, for me, it just gave me life. Um, I met Tracy Emin once at a podcast recording. Uh, in London and she said throughout all the difficulties in her life her sort of her artwork and her creativity kept her going and and I know what she means it's brilliant it just gives you something to really live for uh, oh absolutely and I, I'm just thinking back about that moment in in um, when I joined you on on that evening it's just been so, it was just um, like a like a pivotal moment or a key moment in 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 that period of time that I'll kind of never forget really. So, 
Um, yeah, absolutely. So hopefully people um, listening to you today or hope that might meet you at the Learning and Skills Research Network conference might take a look at um, that stuff. But also, of course, you pop up everywhere. When I, It's like um, I need a map to see where in the world you're going to be. You know, you, you're all over the place uh, performing. Tell us about how um, Pip the Poet evolved. Um. Well, I kind of got really excited about open mic tourism. So open mics popped up well during the pandemic pandemic online all the time. So it was a great way to try new things without leaving your house. And then obviously as started things started opening up, in-person open mics and hybrid open mic events started. Um so I got really stuck into the London poetry scene. Um and that was just wild and creative and fun. Um, and as a result of doing an open mic event in Vauxhall one night, I got offered a book deal. So open mic, one open mic, four minutes of me speaking, and it was just the stuff that dreams are made of. You know, it was like rock and roll. <laughs> um, I've completely forgotten the question, Joe. Yes, you have to yeah. remind me about the question. Yeah. Well, I suppose when, it, well, I loved hearing all that anyway, but um, it's what, when did you first discover that you uh, had a, a talent for poetry, a love of poetry? When did that become part of who you are? Well, I've always liked when I studied T.S. Eliot, you know, uh, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Uh, some of the lines in there are just lovely. You know, let us go then, you and I, um, you know, uh, and, and then John Clare, I am. Um, and some of the other stuff, you know, um, I always liked that. So when I'd studied it at school and then, um, I think what I really liked was playing about with old stuff and reimagining it through a digital lens. So I would take, you know, digital sonnet eight, uh, sorry, the sonnet 18 by Shakespeare and mess about with it. You know, so dig, uh, sonnet 18 is, uh, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Um, and then I would really enjoy messing about with that, remixing it. Um, you know, we've heard of mashups and things in music uh, and putting a digital spin on it. So digital sonnet 18. So shall I compare my online classroom to a digital phase? Thou art more and more engaging. Rough winds do shape the digital darling buds of May and summer's lease hath all too less data. It was so much fun. Because you were literally standing on the shoulders of giants um, and people had an existing frame of reference to understand what you were doing. So this idea of techno, auto, ethnography type of poem, techno poetics, um, kind of emerged from being a learning technologist, being equally enthusiastic as I was critical about technology and pedagogy and poetry and everything just collided. Um, I wouldn't say it was a kind of standard linear journey into poetry, uh, but lots and lots of people got into poetry over the pandemic and it open mics have exploded all over the world. Um, there's so many different types. Um, you know, some of them might not work for you, but you've just got to dive in, throw yourself in, see what works. Some of them are more music orientated. Some of them are sort of a mix of poetry and music. Um, even the one that you did, the uh, the, the comedy, the, you know, that was brilliant. You can yeah. really sort of 
create, put your own stamp on things. Um, and mm. it's led to, I mean, I've, I was, you know, did an open mic in Brighton, um, in Southampton, a lot of them in London. Um, there was, I think there was one where Will Self was headlining as well. And you, you just get access to these brilliant people that inspire you to keep doing what you're doing uh, and being quite authentic with it. Um, I suppose, I think once you've found something that you really love to do, you can do it, you know, you want to do it anywhere and you want to step up and get excited. Um, so I recently did one in Gateshead Library. Um, they have a lovely poetry group there. Um, they're really inclusive and supportive. And it's just interesting to see all the different formats that the open mic approach can have. Um, so, you know, if you go along to an open mic and they're like, they might invite you along to do um, a featured slot. Some of them have a poetry slam or a poetry competition. So that's not for everyone. Um, and I've only done one of them before. And, it, and if you win, you might get a paid set or something like that. And lots of people have ideas about, um, you know, you should only be uh, performing if you remember your lines. And, you know, there's lots of different ideas. And um, the poetry scenes, you know, is, it's complex um, and there's all sorts going on. It's a reflection of life. Uh, but you can carve your own way into it. Um, so I guess for me it was... I'd performed one poem about technology, um, another sort of technological rant, I think, in London. And I thought, oh, I quite like this. This is fun. And people relate to it. And the audience gives you feedback. And sometimes things don't work. Well, it's just like a lesson. Sometimes as a teacher, things just don't work. Um, so, it, yeah, it, I just think it's really interesting and exciting. Um yeah, well, um, I'm, I hope it continues. I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> I like the idea of open mic tourism. Uh, the group that I um, performed with, Bright Club, I've been looking at where they've got Bright Clubs and they've got um, some in Dublin and Galway. So I've got me got my eye on, you know, head, heading over there. So, yeah, Sounds love it. great. Can I come? Um, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Um, I want to ask you then about you. So you've recently spoken at a conference and it's our pal, Abby Cairns, who's been on the podcast before. Um, um, so so people might might know of Abby, a, a sort of fellow artist and um, so on. But her conference is the first of its kind, I think, um, artist teacher in adult community learning conference. I know it's supported by the National Association of Arts and hmm, something education. I can't remember. You'll tell us. Um, but you, what you were speaking about there was open mic methodology, weren't you? And I'm really interested in this because I'm using podcasting as method as part of my um, PhD. Um, and obviously just generally the whole performance, you know, you know what, what that brings to at the world of research. So tell us about open mic methodology. Well, it's interesting because the open mic approach doesn't seem to belong to anyone. You know, it it's not um doesn't seem to feel like it's intellectual property. It's it's an open, open methodology. Um so the, the beauty of that is that you can just use it and adapt it uh for the needs of the people at the time, which good teachers do anyway. Um so I'm going to talk about uh, how I think that it 
it's a very in- inclusive approach. So some of the open mics that I went to online uh, and performed, you know, you'd, you'd make links with people in America, all over the world. Um, so it, it's quite international and it's very inclusive. Um, it's also very accessible because, you know, a lot of the open mics on Zoom, you can have your captions, uh, you can have um, a transcript and, and even sign language, which we're going to have at the conference in Birmingham, which was a really good idea of yours. Um, the other thing is open mics. One of the wonderful things about open mics is it, it, it helps you build a community. So the people I've met through open mics, both online and offline, the friends I've made, well, it's just been fantastic. And, um, you know, and 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 finding out what their journeys were and why they started writing and performing. The other thing is, you know, everyone has a voice in the open mic. Everyone knows what to expect. You know, you've got four minutes to save the world, knock yourself out, do your thing, we'll support you, whatever you do, if you mess it up, if you fall over, you know, it's almost like it's like a performance pedagogy. Um if that makes sense. Love it. So I, I guess, well, I think I, it was Dr. Lee Campbell who said, who'd written something on critical performance pedagogy. And a lot of teachers, we all perform. Uh, we perform our identities, even without realising. It's a fabulous article in 2020, I think, by someone called Daniel Clark, who talked about identity performance. Um, and that really inspired me. Um you know, how do we rationalise what we do, who we are? And it felt like our identities changed in the pandemic about, you know, how do we cope with the uncertainty? Well, how did, how did I cope with the uncertainty? I did open mic and perform poems about it and lots of other people did as well. So I think it's very transferable, the open mic approach. So you could actually put it in a corporate setting and say, right, give me three words about how you feel about a project. Let's put them all together and write something and share it. And there's something about bringing everyone's experiences together and sharing it, giving it back to them in a different form that's quite pleasing. Don't know what it is, but it, it shows that you're listening and you have to listen to understand um, someone else's lived experience of something. So you're going to be joining us at the Learning and Skills Research Network conference, which is a conference sort of all that centres all around um, the use of research within the world of further education. But of course, it's got academics there and uh, professors there and it's got classroom practitioners there and so on. But we've invited you along to take up a very special role. Do you want to share with us what you're going to be doing there? Yeah, so... um... A wonderful privilege uh, to be invited to be the poet in reference. The poet in reference, <laughs> very academic. The poet in residence at the Learning and Skills Research Network annual conference in Birmingham. When Joe invited me, I was absolutely over the moon. Uh, residencies are very interesting things. You know what is a residency, um, and what the hell is a poet doing at an education conference? Well, <laughs> so we'll be. Hopefully looking, exploring at the crowdsource methodology. I think uh, 
So when I sort of looked at what what other poets, how other poets have approached residencies and things like that, I came across someone called Dan Simpson, and he adopted this crowdsourcing approach. So we plan to um, embed that approach as part of the residency. I'm also thrilled to have uh, sign language as well to make the poetry uh, that I perform as accessible as possible. I think that's really important. Um, I also had a good think about what on earth, you know, how can I make it meaningful? And um, so hopefully um, tangible outcomes from the residency will be um, we're going to explore a publication, aren't we, Joe? <laughs> we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so you're nice going to, to be a... you're going to be tweeting poetry on the day, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Words, so, um, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So that will sort of get people excited. Um you know, some some interesting lines or perceptions or thoughts and feelings. Um, I'll be taking over uh, Twitter for a, a little while. So it will be weaved, the, the residency will be weaved all throughout the conference. Um, and I'm really looking forward to going into the sessions um, and just seeing what the key words and themes are that are coming out um, and trying to... The, patchwork them together to create this kind of poetic tapestry as a kind of summary. I think you called it a plenary, but I call it a plenary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't know. What, how, how do you say it? I'm so sorry. I don't know. I don't well, think I said, um, Well, I said a poetry plenary, so it's a poetry well, plenary then. I yeah. don't know what it is. No. Well, the thing is, and I've had this before, one of my favourite women in the world... <laughs> Well, in the ancient world is a woman called, well, I discovered recently it's Hypatia and I was calling her Hypatia because I don't know. And when you see it on the page, you just say what you see, don't you? So, yeah, I don't. Sorry, I don't know how you say it. But anyway, it's around an ending point, isn't it? Nobody likes a plenary, but people might love a poetry plenary. Well, it kind of rounds things up really nicely and it gives people back what they've learned and it reminds them of their experience and to me a conference is an experience mm. it's an experiential opportunity and you put in what you get out so and particularly mm. with the crowdsource poem so there'll be a mixture of poems i've pre-written some poems inspired by the themes um and i'll also be creating some live in real time during the day. I'm really excited about that as a kind of live experiment. So one of the ones, the poems that I've pre-written will be published in my new book, um, and it's called Truffled Pedagogy. Um, And just a few lines from that then. Learning can be tough, but remember that you are good enough. You are worthy of learning, and like a rhizome, you are growing. Evolving into natural beauty, undiscerning pedagogy can be really transforming. Truffles are fungi, so try a pedagogic mushroom. This is the view from the other side of the room. So I really enjoyed uh, putting together um, material that I can use uh, and perform to engage people with, with research. And I think, as I said before, I always find myself carrying out research when I write poetry Uh, For example, I wrote um, another poem in the book called The Mirror, and I needed to find out, um, you know, a bit more about what it was made of. Was it aluminium or tin? So you do carry out research when you create creative um, work and poetic work. Um, And I I really like the link between research, 
poetry and pedagogy. It's the it's, holy trinity. It, yes, absolutely. I hang on your every word, Pip. Hang on your every word. You may not know, but but mushrooms are a bit of a theme <laughs> in our in our uh, podcast world because I'm going to say it again. I think people have heard this in a previous podcast if they've listened before. Is very famously one evening after some. Now, is this the word libation? When you drink, I don't know. Um, uh, Alistair sent to me in the middle of the night some words that uh, were supposed to be, I think, I think there was something supposed to be something to do with method, the methodology chapter of his thesis. But actually, it was all about mushrooms. <laughs> and, you know, I've kept it for prosperity, that piece of work. Uh, when he looked at it in the, in the light of day, it was slightly different. But um, what was it? Somebody said that he'd created a whole new a mycological paradigm overnight. Ooh. Yeah, that's nice. I do like that a lot. That's great. Well, mushrooms are a theme in poetry as well. I mean, Sylvia Plath wrote a beautiful poem called Mushroom Mushrooms, um, and uh, which everyone should go and read now, given that it was World Poetry Day yesterday and should be every day. Yeah, absolutely. I'm watching uh, The Last of Us at the moment. I don't know whether you've uh, well, of course. Uh, fungi fungi i don't know and mushrooms etc they're all very much part of that so they've got a slightly different meaning for me at the moment well look we could be here all night uh but we're gonna we're gonna let you disappear into your poetic world um and say thank you so much for joining us on the podcast i cannot wait um to have you with us at the learning skills research network conference and and, and just see what blossoms and grows on the day I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the FE Research Podcast, a Sheep Hill Studio production. Thanks for listening and we hope you can join us again soon.